0: advisory the ward scott files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended trust us on this this show contains adult information and opinions please protect small children sensitive pets fragile houseplants and liberal relatives thank you
1: warthog he's gonna come up the steps here he comes oh my goodness and he's huge hello boy wonder if we can pet him Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't.
0: Help me. Help.
1: Help. Good morning, good morning. Coach Hogg here in uh, Manly Warthog Man Cave here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's Country in the Mellon Law Studio. Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Florida Gators and a great supporter of the Ward Scott Files and the community as well as protected by crime prevention, uh, 24-7, 365. We surely enjoy the support of crime prevention, and you should support them. Get a doorbell camera, get uh, any kind of security system. They've got you. They can hook you up, and they're locally here. You're not calling some remote center. And we are here on a little nippy morning, 40 degrees. I'll expand on this at the bottom of the hour. And if you hear me fighting uh, a little bit of the... Holland thing, I was out working yesterday uh in the field here, and uh it it gets you it gets you in the post-nasal grip world. So uh <clears throat> I'll be dealing with that for a little bit, of course. Style cuts, walk in down there and tell them up Coach Hogg sent you. Well, um Coach Hogg's locker room is going to report on a couple of things that are first of all very interesting as going on in our world of athletics. And uh, that is the rising interest, I mean, rapid rising interest of, I'm looking for my podcast here, um, the ladies' basketball game. Boy, I'm telling you what now, it is really, really catching on. And um, you might uh, thoroughly enjoy taking in the NCAA. Madness, if you will, for the ladies' gator basketball. There was a big upset yesterday. Stanford, which is the creme de creme of everything it thinks, has always been a fantastic basketball uh, program for women. And what's happened is um, they were beaten yesterday by Georgia from the SEC. This is a big, big uh, deal or Stanford, the creme de creme of everything, and we'll be covering Stanford quite a bit in today's show, to be beaten by, of course, anybody, number one, <clears throat> and number two, Georgia. Because we play Georgia, we play LSU, we play schools like that. But when we play them, there's nobody really much attending, and this is going to be a challenge or Lady Gator basketball to compete because everywhere else it is starting to grow big crowds. Um, The LSU game, Lady game, was played at LSU to a huge crowd, a roaring, enthusiastic crowd. Therefore, ladies basketball at LSU. Boy, I tell you, if Florida could ever accomplish that, it would be quite a coup. It's um, questionable whether they've got it coming their way. It's one of the big challenges because um, the whole level is rising all across the board. And, you know, given that, how are you going to entice these people to come? Now, Ole Miss won yesterday as well. And Ole Miss, the players say they came to Ole Miss to start a program and to um, make a statement and they've done so by advancing in the NCAA. Um, they are really doing that, which uh, you're going to have to do if you're going to be able to compete in ladies basketball. Um, it is uh, not that we've been left out of the big dance. We have, and we've got a kind of uh, Backup, if you will, the NIT, which is kind of the no name tournament. And we had a game here, but there was nobody in attendance.
0: Pitiful turnout.
1: I hope that if we'd had an NCAA game here, there would have been a turnout. <clears throat> now the Gator squeaked by on that, but it uh, wasn't uh, a comfortable win. And it was in a lower standard league game tournament. So, whither will the direction of the University of Florida Lady Gators basketball go is a big question uh, to be answered, because there are so many other really rising competitive programs with great coaches and great uh, support from their fans. Now, not only was, uh, uh, is still, they, still are. I think they played today. The Lady Gators basketball team in an NIT, but the University of Florida basketball team was in the IT, and it was played here. I'll have to wet my whistle several times today for this pollinate um, result. Uh, <clears throat> but guess what? They played the University of Central Florida
0: and lost, and not only lost, but lost big time, 67 to 49. They lost at University of Central Florida in the NIT at Billy Donovan Exact Tech Center. Now, personally, I happen to think,
1: and I'm, It's my opinion that the worst thing the University of Florida did was quote unquote reconfigure
0: the Billy Donovan O'Connell Center. It was a crowd pleasing venue
1: sitting right down on the court. Lots of tradition, lots of great games have been played there. And what do they do? They go and create Two levels of fans, all the common people and all the high rollers who get to eat in front of the common people, not only before the game but
0: during the game at their own little special
1: little restaurant carved out of the side of the Oh, no. <clears throat> I've always thought that was a bad move. And I don't, you can't say that correlation is causation, but it certainly is observable that it didn't help them win. And not only has it not helped them win, but they are down. I'm, I'm trying to keep up with this. You know, back in the old days when we played the gym rat basketball, we played a lot of it. We played a lot of playground basketball. I was on a basketball team. I was a guard, um, high school basketball team. But when we played our pick up games, <clears throat> we'd play maybe five or six guys. That'd be – we'd have one extra sitting around, but we – that was our pickup game. Well, Florida is down, I think, I'm, I'm, can't keep up with it, to six players. University of Florida, men's basketball team. Kawasi Reeves, for example, the one who was always changing his hair, which I loved. You know, one day it would be purple, maybe blue, maybe a minute to be blue. Uh, and the next game would be orange. And one time he had what looked like a tree growing out of his head as last year. Great entertaining person to watch.
0: He's leaving the program. He's entering the transfer portal. As well as, um, Neil's Lane is leaving. Castleton's graduating. Now, with Lane's
1: and Reeves entering the portal, the Gators are only going to have, according to their own Gator publication from which I'm reading, as we speak anyway, six scholarship
0: players returning. One of those, Roddy
1: Kugel, he's good enough to go to the pros right now. He's the only one the Gators have got who can shoot the ball. And he is going to be in the NBA. The challenge for the Florida Gators is going to be to keep him here another year. He could either go to the NBA or he could go in the transfer portal. And I suggest that somehow, some way, a rabbit isn't pulled out of the hat and the Gators managed to surround him with some good players. He might just do that, go at least into the transfer portal because they've got some guys who... Exhausted their college eligibility. Um, a couple, Jason Jacoby, uh, uh, he he means well. I think he's the kid who got the eye hurt. But, um, you know, you're not really a basketball player, let's face it.
0: Not at the level you need to be down in the post. So
1: this transfer portal, people ask me about it. Once a player provides written notification of an intent to transfer, uh, his name is entered into a database by the compliance office. It has 48 hours to comply with the player's request. And the compliance office cannot refuse the player's request. So the players are driving the bus now. If they want to go, the coach can't keep them from putting their name in the transfer portal. Now, once a player's name shows up in the portal,
0: it's fair game. Other schools
1: can contact that player. Meanwhile, the players can change their minds at any point and withdraw from the portal.
0: But once that player enters the portal, the
1: university no longer has to honor that player's scholarship. So if that player, let's say Reeves enters the portal, which he's done, but he decides to stay, the school is not obligated to provide him with his scholarship anymore. So a player's individual entry includes his basic contact info, whether he was on scholarship and whether he's graduating or transferring as a graduate student. Some of them are because of the COVID. They got an extended kind of uh, eligibility. And um, a player can also ask that a do not contact tag be placed on the report. And in those instances, the players don't want to be contacted by schools unless they initiate the communication. Now, how long has the transfer portal been around? Well, it's really heating up now, but it's been around since October of 2018. So the number that have entered it, uh, 1,681, let's see, uh, 2,626 football players entered the transfer portal. that So far, that includes the walk-ons. Uh, 1,681 entered during the 2019-20 cycle. And so the basketball players entering the transfer portal, there are far fewer of them, total a little over 1,000. So there are uh, about two and a half times as many football players have entered it as basketball players, but there are a lot more football players on a team, of course, than there are basketball players. So the other thing is tennis news, because we just finished the Indian Wells tennis tournament and we're coming up on the Miami open. And to follow up with you, no, Novak Djokovic is not going to be allowed into the country. He's not going to be allowed to play in the Miami open. Um, it's just the way it is. And um, nobody would get off the dime and wave it, even though you've got people coming across um, the, the um, um, border every day and um, with impunity. And there they go into oblivion, I suppose. But uh, not if they are a well known tennis player number one in the world, no longer, by the way, and we'll get into that, um, because of the win yesterday by the young fellow who's only 19 years old, Alcoraz, and uh, he's dynamic. He beat the Russian Mendeleev. So But the point is, all the players are cheated by Novak Djokovic not being allowed to be there. Um Go figure. I mean, and this is going to probably, if they don't change their attitude, um, keep him out of the U.S. Open, which is the big dance of the big dances. Now, he'll play in all the other countries, even Australia, which had a very strict no-entry COVID rule, let Novak in. And, and, uh, you know, it's just that's the way it goes. So, a couple of three things to summarize here that have to do with the state of Florida athletics. First, the Lady Gators basketball team is really going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat, compete with what we've got going on in Lady Gators basketball across the nation. When you've got packed LSU Coliseums or the NCAA game, which LSU won, when you've got Georgia beating Stalinford, when you got Ole Miss advancing, this is marquee stuff. This attracts people to those schools, particularly when the Miss, Ole Miss players say, this is why we came here. We all came here to make a statement, to put Ole Miss Lady Gators, a lady basketball on the map. We got to have some kind of fervor. I don't know where it's going to come from with the men. You can't really graph a more dynamic slide than you do with the men. And you can't put the exact t- center back to the O'Connell Coliseum days, which I think, my personal opinion, was far superior. I gave up my season tickets when they went to the uh, uh, two levels of people, uh, you know, the, 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 the privileged eating before and during, and then there were everybody else sitting there on hot dogs. Uh, I, I just didn't like that. And plus the seats were worse, and they moved you farther away from activities and et cetera, et cetera. So meanwhile, in terms of coliseums, the University of Florida football stadium, they may well be on a slide as well. You know, you've got Georgia, you've got LSU, uh, you've got some people, Alabama, Then you've got the new schools coming in, Oklahoma, Texas, I think. This is going to be a real dilemma for Florida. Because the Florida booster base is fragmented. There's so many other schools doing well. University of South Florida beating Florida did not help Florida. Okay. University of Central Florida. We're getting venues that are competitive. So what is going to happen? They're going to have to rebuild, really, actually totally rebuild, the University of Florida football arrangement, which is going to be Embarrassingly expensive, or they're not going to be able to hang now. Already, we've got the two big money making draws, especially football and then basketball, way down the chart of winning. Here, we've got winners elsewhere, but they're not the big ticket items. Baseball does really, even the Santa Fe Saints are 27 and one in baseball. Everybody in town. But the spring sports don't bring in the big bucks. And on top of that, in terms of the tennis world in Florida, or the number one, previously number one player, because a young young boy now is the number one, to not be allowed to even enter the United States and play is is egregious. There is one positive story out of all this, which I want to share with you. I am a tremendous fan fan of Francis Tiafone. He's a black player.
0: He is a role model for
1: an argument for hey. If you want to eliminate racism, shut up about it and just go compete. Francis Tifo's father, Constant Tifo, worked at the Junior Tennis Championship Center in Washington, D.C. in 1999 and even moved into one of its vacant storage rooms while working around the clock there. His two boys, Francis has a twin, plays tennis but not nearly as well as he does. His two boys would sometimes stay with him. They would sleep on a massage table and their mother worked night shifts as a nurse. Do you get where this story is going? Do you, do, you, do you understand why I picked Francis TFO as one of my favorites? But Francis TFO as a little kid, hanging around at the training facility for the Junior Tennis Championship Center, he started developing his skills. And he would go out there and train at the facility while his father worked there and his mother worked night shifts at nurse. And he slept on the massage tables with his twin brother. He wasn't a wealthy kid. He never was out there with the new stuff or whatever the big gear was. He was just loving life. But one thing he was doing because his father worked there is he played tennis for free. You know, tennis is an expensive sport. When you see these guys make it to the big time, there's enormous money behind them. And there have been parents or there have been lessons. I see it every day. I'm a USTA or was a USTA uh, uh, official. I know what it takes to get these kids to the big time. But Francis TiFO saw an opportunity. He wasn't wealthy, he wasn't white, he wasn't privileged, but he loved to play. And he could play tennis for free. And he loved it. Now, what his point is when he's asked about this, he says anybody can do it. He says this is a cliche, but if you're passionate about something, you do it. You notice he doesn't bring up race at all. He's not even interested in bringing it up. He was driven. Are you ready for this? And this is what is missing in most lives that are being defended right now as defendable when they're really criminal. He, Francis Teofo, was driven by the work ethic of his parents, He saw his mother and father, mother and father, working. His mother working nights. His father working as a maintenance janitor, all the above, at the tennis court. And he entered the prestigious Orange Bowl at age 15 for one of the junior tournaments Francis TFO did. And he won it. He became the youngest boys single champion in the tournament's history. And who were the other previous champions as juniors of that tournament?
0: Roger Federer, Andy Roddick, Yvonne Lindell, Jim Courier, John McEnroe, and Beyond Board.
1: So in 2015, he broke into the world's top 100. And he reached the quarterfinals at the Australian Open in 2019, where he lost to Nadal. But three years later, he found himself at the quarterfinal, and he was ranked number 26 in the world. And he was just nudging into the super big time. But he realized what had kept him back, get this now, from really getting into the top, top echelon was that he was not mentally uh, mature enough to handle the pressures of being out there at the big, big time. He had to grow up. He had to get mentally tough. And... He wanted to do this in front of his mom and his dad. And in 2022, CNN interviewed him. And he told CNN Sport that the lack of diversity in the sport had made him feel like an outsider. So he continued to ignore that and fight hard simply to be the best player he could be. I can guarantee you now. He is a crowd pleaser and a favorite because of his tremendous kind of work ethic, which he got from his parents. Um, His coach is Wayne Fiera, um, who believes that TFO's story is movie material, but he needs to win the U.S. Open or a Grand Slam event before really, really catching the attention of how unique his story is. But his coaches and his team around him say that his is a great story, I agree, and that he's very humble and that he is an individual with a great heart, with a huge huge work ethic, and really is not driven or exploited by the conventional race card that gets attached to so many other sports, that gets attached especially to NBA basketball some of these other sports. Um, he has put in thousands and thousands of hours of work and he uh, feels the weight of all this pressure. He uh, um, really has a lot of young guys around him that are very good. Uh, Carlos Alcaraz, for example, beat him, but Carlos Alcaraz won the whole tournament, is only 19 years old, and will be going down to uh, Miami Open, where Djokovic won't be. So remember that name, Francis Tiofo. Um, Overcoming what somebody else would have used maybe as an excuse to not do well. He doesn't even flinch. He uses it as an excuse to work harder. And keep in mind the example of his parents um, looking after him Imagine sleeping on the massage pa- table at the tennis center while your father worked around the courts. And then looking as a little kid and maybe going out there and saying to yourself, maybe I'll steal a moment on the courts and, uh, and uh, do the best I can do. And by golly, he is doing extremely, extremely well. So where are we going to go with our basketball programs at the university? Only time will tell them they've got some real challenges. Uh, these two coaches um, really have their work cut out for them. Somehow, some way, there has to become a motive like that, which Ole Miss has, where those girls say, we came there because we wanted to make a statement. We wanted to put the program on the map. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is. What is it that we've got on the map for the University of Florida? Somebody needs to come up with a slogan. What do you want to do here? The problem with the men's is we've been on the map. We've been at the apex with Billy Donovan. And then, of course, we've been at the apex with uh, the Myers and Spurrier teams on the football field. We've been looking for that magic ocean ever since. And it's not going to be necessarily an easy sell, is my point now since there are so many great programs with so many great coaches at these schools. So uh, we'll take a break here uh, from Coach Hall's locker room uh, we, for our sponsors and get back with the weather, and we'll move into what the title of the show is today, Prosecutorial Misconduct. Be right back on Ward Scott Files.
0: I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we
1: touch him? No, do Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather, brought to
0: you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to
1: Word Scott Files. Uh, the weather, Ward's weather, thanks to Lewis Oil. And uh, Chevron Stations, every time you pump up there, you're supporting the show. Well, 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 I think we're into spring. And what's that old saying about March comes in like a lion goes out like a lamb? I don't know about that. It's 40 degrees right now outside the command center. It's going to get up to about 62 degrees here. Tonight it's going down to 39 degrees. We're ducking that frost. We hope we stay away from that frost. We don't need any of that. Of course, we've still got pollen. A lot of people are not even going out on their porches yet until they can clean them once and for all. Uh, So the start of spring is um, going to have a milder uh, weather pattern for the central and eastern USA. It's going to be um, storms continuing, though, in California with rain and mountain snow. Uh, uh, There's going to be some flooding, of course, still going on. And um, get ready, though, once it comes in, we'll all of a sudden um, be in the Rows of a couple of months that are pretty good in north-central Florida. So, um, hang on. It's pleasant for generally here the month of April and May. And we really enter the sweltering June, July, and August, and even September months here where we are. Well, you know, you always have heard this business about save the planet.
0: And, you know, it's one of the biggest sentimentalities that's ever been hoisted on mankind. Just stop and think a moment about it. The planet is going to be the planet. It doesn't need saving. It was here long before man. And reason would tell you it'll be here long after man.
1: So what do these advocates for climate change or save the planet, all that, really mean? They mean save Homo sapiens' environmental niche on the planet. But there are all sorts of things that have nothing to do with fossil fuels that are threatening man's environmental security on the planet. Number one of which is overpopulation.
0: And it's not just that there's overpopulation, but there's overpopulation in concentrated areas.
1: So, Jerusalem Post has offered several challenges, which I want to go with you through our weather part of the show and ask you to think about it as I'm thinking about.
0: Is extreme poverty going to decline? Because that will be the challenge more than climate change. If we don't get control of the 5.28 billion people in the world, then we're going to have extreme poverty. Some scientists believe that three quarters of the
1: world live in extreme poverty. Now, when you talk about affordable homes and things like that, we're not talking about extreme poverty. We don't have extreme poverty here that I've
0: seen. By extreme poverty, we mean food, malnutrition, Exposure to the harsh elements. Can we really address extreme poverty? Which means, of course, hunger.
1: Can we feed all these people? Right now, fewer than 2% of the United States farmers produces the food for the other 98%
0: who live in the cities. That
1: ain't healthy. That was one of the underlying essential arguments between the North and the South. All this hoopla about slavery, it was basically about that very thing. What is the definition of wealth? For the South and agrarian society, it was food.
0: For the North, it was money. You see two different views of nature. In the South, you used nature to sustain yourself, and your wealth was food.
1: In the North, you made material products out of nature, and the money that you got from producing and selling and advertising to sell those products, bought you food that you didn't produce. As we speak, I'm getting across the news table here. The UN's got a flash out there on climate change.
0: What are the humans going to eat?
1: Probably they're not going to eat what you can take for granted right now a steak or a hamburger or bacon or
0: even poultry.
1: And probably, according to this analysis by the Jewish Post, Jerusalem Post, we're going to get into chemical structured
0: food, transforming the basic architecture of meat substitutes if we're going to handle population. Notice none of this so far has anything to do with fossil fuel. None of it. Furthermore, there's a gap between the richest and the poorest countries in the world in life expectancy. And what is that going to lead to in terms of public explanations of that?
1: The United States could, with its breadbasket in the center of the United States, feed the world, but it just can't get the food to the world.
0: Child mortality. China has taken, I guess, the position that we don't want any more kids for a while. They've got a program, the last I checked, that would tone that down to try to flatten out this problem they're going to have with not climate change, but food distribution and production.
1: That's the bit you, never, you don't hear anything about that. Now, meanwhile, Bill Gates is busy buying a farmland in this country like crazy.
0: Isn't that ironic? Taking the
1: proceeds from an industrialized product, Microsoft at all, Apple at all, and not spending it on more computers, but spending it on more land.
0: Fewer and fewer of them learn anything about the vocational skills. By that, I mean how to fix something, how something works. Often these abstract theoretical pursuits, into these really childish and immature arguments, And I I put all this out there for you in the weather report to suggest to you that the whole approach to what the challenges of man's future are are misrepresented by bad language. Climate's always changing. What are they talking about? Save the planet. No, you don't need to save the planet. You need to save the niche that man is able to not just exist in, but take some pleasure in. Can renewable energy carry all this? No, we know the riddle of that. In
1: order to substitute gas for electric, you gotta use energy to get the materials to create the electric, which will be fossil energy. We've got this whole experiment right here locally to prove what a boondoggle is. Buying a biomass plant?
0: I submit that to you to, during Ward's weather report for you to think about. Once again, it's an example of the misuse of a language. Well, you've heard about us talking about forever and a day The um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You've heard us talking about that. And now cometh before my attention is a kind of classic story about that. Now, I have to harken back to the Stanford University Stanford University is considered to be the Harvard of the West and what do you think has happened there it has become completely Corrupted, I'll use that word, by the critical race theory. And it, like most universities, and I'll go ahead and say most governments, now have offices for diversity, equity, and inclusion, abbreviated as DEI and what it really functions as is speech police now stanford law school law school
1: and by the way university of florida law school is only last time i checked only one republican law professor on
0: the entire staff shouted down the Fifth Circuit Court Appeals Judge Kyle Duncan and the heckling was created, sponsored, and sustained by its law school's associate dean, or DEI, Tyrene Tyrone Steinbach. Now, uh, this judge uh, was invited, Judge Duncan, Judge Kyle Duncan, Fifth Circuit Court, was invited by a student group on the campus. Let me just make sure I got that name right. Um, come to it in a moment, to speak. And this dean for DEI,
1: and this is her, it's a quote, me and many people in this administration do absolutely believe in free speech. You know, I want to stop and just say, anybody that doesn't have the pronouns right, I'm not talking about transgender pronouns. I'm talking about me and many people. It is a fundamental F in my
0: hiding class. I is the pronoun. This is a dean. of a law school, that makes a gross, grammatical error in a public statement. This Dean
1: characterized this judge's speech as something that felt harmful, abhorrent, and literally denied the humanity
0: of people. And the word is felt. Felt. It's not about feelings, it's about thinking. You would think. The Federal Society students at the Stanford University invited Judge Duncan to come there. And this woman shouted down and led a rebellion against his being there in person. Now, just so this is out of the Wall Street Journal covering this. The average major university is the average major university now has 45 DEI personnel. The University of Michigan has 163 DEI officers. Ohio officers They're speech cops. Ohio State and the University of Virginia each has 94.
1: Georgia Tech has 41 DEI personnel, but by comparison only has 13 history professors.
0: It's the world we're living in. This is why you can't have an open discussion about canines in Gainesville. Now, the Stanford Law School website claims it has a collegial culture. And that has values the open exchange
1: of ideas. But when this judge arrived on the campus, this article is by the judge. He said the walls were festooned with posters denouncing him for crimes against women, gays, blacks, and trans people. Now, this is a Stanford, number one. Number two, Stanford Law School, number two. Plastered on the walls, he says,
0: everywhere, were photos of the students who had invited him. And they were targeted by the students who'd put their pictures up there and had exclaimed that those students should be ashamed. And he wrote it in large red letters. Stanford Stanford University one of the protesters the judge says screamed out we hope your daughters get raped the judge says that his subject of his talk was very dry
1: which is to say it was boring It was a discussion about how circuit courts interact with the Supreme Court when there's some discussion about doctrine.
0: But the Stanford law students were not interested in that.
1: They were interested in targeting this judge who was appointed by Trump who in a Ruling in Louisiana, rule on the side of Louisiana's traditional
0: marriage laws in a
1: trial called U.S. versus Varner. In that, a federal prisoner serving a term for attempted receipt of child pornography. And with a previous state conviction for possession of child porn, petitioned, petitioned the court to order that he be called, are you ready for
0: this? By a pronoun that uh, reflected his feminine conversion. This
1: judge ruled that the pronouns that he preferred to be used by were irrelevant in the issue before the court.
0: That Stanford Law
1: students saw the judge's comments as denying a trans woman's
0: existence. This woman,
1: Tyrin Steinbeck, the judge learned later, the associate dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion,
0: was watching the whole time the students were trying to shout the judge down. So When the judge discovered she was watching, he asked her to tell the students that their behavior was inappropriate. The students were screaming. She comes to the microphone, opens a folio, takes out
1: a printed sheet of paper and delivers a six-minute speech about the question,
0: is the juice worth the squeeze?
1: The judge didn't know what that meant, is the juice worth the squeeze? Well, the students rhythmically
0: chanted that back to her. She therefore attempted to explain She told the judge that his work had caused harm. That he had literally denied the humanity of people. And that her job
1: as the dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion was to create a space of
0: belonging for all people at Stomper. So, was the juice worth the squeeze? Was code, or
1: was his talk worth the pain that it caused, and the division that it caused, and the harm that it caused?
0: And that, of course, fueled the flames for the crowd. Half of them walked out in protest. The others kept heckling. And so the judge didn't see how he could continue. So he tried opening the floor for questions.
1: And the questions were so hostile that two U.S. marshals waiting in the wings decided it was time to escort him out of the hallowed halls of Stonford's Law School.
0: There you are, my friends. That is the collegial culture of a premier university in this country. Don't believe for a moment it is the exception.
1: Have a great day. Warthog Command Center out.